this podcast is presented to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Christian Family Church in Lubbock, Texas. For more information, visit faithchurchlubbock.com. Go with me to, to, to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Now, if you were here last week, we started a series on uh, the world. And so we're going to add on to that tonight. Like I said, we're going to begin in 1 Corinthians 1. As you're turning to 1 Corinthians 1, let me give you some scripture to reference you tonight. Matthew 5, verse 6, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Now, when it says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, guys, I must guard the things of God in my life. I must view those things as precious. I mean, if I would really begin to look at the Word of God, righteousness, when I hunger for that, guys, that stuff is way more valuable than gold and silver. That stuff is eternal. And the Lord's desire for every one of us is to be uncompromising. To say, man, I've, I've got I've to guard the things of God in my life. Where's that found? Well, in, in Genesis 2, 15, God said to Adam, he said, listen, I want you to guard, to tend, or, the, or to keep the garden. He told Adam to do that. And I believe things haven't changed for us. The things that go on inside us spiritually, it's my job and your, your job to protect them, to guard them, to say, you know what, I'm not going to lose that stuff, man. I'm going to hunger and thirst for righteousness. Now, begin with me here tonight. 1 Corinthians 1, verse 18. For the message or the word of God or the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. Now, when you, when you read this in different translations, the message says that the, the message of the cross is silliness to those who are hell-bent on destruction. Now, when I read this right here, guys, there's always going to be people that will view the Word of God, that will view the cross as nonsense, as silliness. There's always going to be people that will laugh about it, they will mock about it, guys. But it, it talks about here, these are the ones who are going to perish. And they don't have a clue a lot of times. How many of you have ever been around people who have said this, you know, I'm, I'm just going to go to hell and we're going to party all through eternity. Man, I look at people when they say that and my thought is, you don't understand hell. Okay? Now, there's another side to this right here. Keep reading with me what he says next. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. Now, I, I love that right there when he says that because he begins to tell us not all people look at it as foolishness. Because the ones of us that look at it as this is eternity here. That the only way to heaven is through Jesus, okay? And this ought to stir us up to say, thank God that's me. That's you. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I don't have a problem saying, man, I am a Christian. Inside, outside, everywhere around me. And this is what he's talking about. That, yeah, people are going to look at it as crazy. Now, right there in that verse, it cross-referenced. I'm going to take you to this cross-reference because it's one page over. Look at 1 Corinthians 2. Just hold your place right there because I'm coming back. 1 Corinthians 2, verse 14. Look what this says. But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit, 
of God, for they are foolishness to him. Now, I want you to think just for a second about the natural man. What is the natural man's basis on? The natural man is my five senses. If I can't see it, if I can't hear it, if I can't smell it, if I can't touch it, and what's the fifth one? You guys, you didn't, I mean, you're leaving me hanging here. There, I know there's five senses, okay? And all you are, yes, we're in agreement with that. So that's the natural man. But he says right here with the natural man that he, he doesn't receive the things of the Spirit for they are foolishness to him. The natural man looks at the things of God and says, I, I can't believe you would put all your trust in that. I've had people say, man, church is a waste of time. It's stupid. There's nothing that happens there. You know, when I, I worked at a utility company for 18 years, and one of the guys who worked with me started going to church some, and he heard the teaching even on tithing and honor God. And one day he asked me, he said, do you do that tithing stuff? And I said, absolutely. And he goes, that's crazy. He said, I can't believe you would give that much money away a year. And I just looked, and, and I, I think back at that. It was foolishness to him. But it was life to me. I mean, I love this stuff, guys. And so this is what he's talking about there. And he says, because they are spiritually discerned. So the only way I start receiving the things of God in this area is, man, i got to get born again. i got to hook up to Jesus and give my heart to him and then begin to ask him, man, speak to my heart, Lord. Now back to 1 Corinthians 1. Look at, look at verse number 19. It says, For it is written... I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Now, when I read it in the Amplified, it made a little more clear to me. It says, I will destroy the learning of the learned and the philosophy of the philosophers. Now, I'm telling you right here, I'm not telling us that it's wrong for me and you to learn the things of this world. It's just wrong when I put all my trust in them and I put all my marbles in them, okay? Because the things of this world are going to perish. This is what it's talking about. Verse 20. Where is the wise or the philosopher? Where is the scribe or the scholar? Where is the disputer or the debater of this world or this age? Has not God made foolishness the wisdom of this world? Now right here, he, he asked four questions in verse 20. And, and these first four verses, guys, are these four questions that they seem to be the, the only reasonable answer. But when you really look at them, guys, they are completely contrary to salvation. That's what he's talking about here. And so when you look at this, you begin to see there's a huge gap between heaven's ways and human's ways. And when I look at the Bible, there's a clear distinction between the wisdom of the world and the wisdom of God. Clear distinction. Keep reading. Verse 21. For since the wisdom of God, the world through wisdom, did not know God. Now note in there it said here that the wisdom through the world. When I, I read this, guys, here, more and more you see that the wisdom and the philosophy of the world, it fails to recognize Jesus. It fails to call Him Lord. And so what happens with people is you, you can be so educated that you can never come in contact with the kingdom of God. And I'm not saying don't be educated, okay? 
But there is a balance in all this, and he ends in verse 21. It pleased God through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. So right here it says that when people preach the word of God, it pleases God. Why? Because men and women get saved. How many of you heard the word of God and then gave your heart to Jesus? Probably every one of us. If you've been born again, that's what happens. You start hearing the word of God. And so this was God's desire. Now, in looking at this passage right here, I'm either going to trust man or I'm going to trust God. One of the two, guys, okay? Now, in saying that, what influences you? What influences you? Now, look with me in Matthew 7. Matthew chapter 7. And I'm going to show you some things right here biblically that I think we really need to establish tonight. Matthew chapter 7. Once again, guys, so many people, they, they view the Word of God, the Gospel, as irrelevant. It's silliness. That's how it's always going to be, guys. Don't let that move you. That's okay. Now look what happens right here in in Matthew 7, verse 13. It says, Enter by the narrow gate. For wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go in by it. Now, when you read this here, he's saying there's no shortcuts to God. But there's crowds of people, guys, that are going on this road called the wide road or the wide gate. Now, when you look at this passage here, and I want you to highlight this, there's only two gates. There's only two roads. And he gives us some idea of what he's talking about here. And the first gate, he said, wide or broad is is the way that leads to destruction. And note the word he uses there, many are on it. Not a few, but many. So it's the easy way. It's the popular way. It's the way of the world. But note, guys, it's the road that leads to destruction. So just because it may be popular, just because you hear people saying everybody's doing it, don't buy into that junk, okay? Verse 14. Because narrow is the gate, and difficult is the way which leads to life. Now, I looked at different translations on the word difficult there. One translation says it's it's contacted by pressure. Another one says it's vigorous. But it's interesting right here. He says that this narrow gate is difficult and vigorous, but it's the way that leads to life. But there are few who find it. And the reason I believe he's telling us this is most people in our society, in our world, they would rather be popular. They would rather go with the flow of the world. They would rather uh, uh, fit in. I'm not telling us, guys, we, we, we can't have friends and do things. I'm just telling us right here, we better learn to heed Jesus' words when he tells us this stuff. It's very clear to me when you start looking. Now, go back with me to 1 John chapter 2. This was one of our main uh, scripture references last week. 1 John chapter 2. Powerful, powerful, powerful right here, what we're fixing to read again. 
1 John 2, verse 15. And it says, Do not love the world or the things in the world. Now, the world here, guys, is not referring to the physical creation, but the evil that is operating in our world. And the evil that's operating in our world is under the dominion of the devil, okay? How do I know that? Well, John 12, 31, John 14, 30, and John uh, 16, 11, every one of those were referenced last week. A- another scripture reference for us is 2 Corinthians 4, 4. It says, the God of this age or the God of this world, has blinded our eyes. So when I look at this, he says, don't love the world or the things of the world. Now, we hit on this last week, guys. There's a lot of things that go on in our world on a daily basis that are searching us out. They search you out, and many times they appear very innocent or very harmless. But the attraction of the things of this world are to pull me and you from God, or to literally squeeze God out of our lives. Now, I'm going to give you some examples of some things that I believe will help you. Is there anything wrong in God's eyes with me owning a boat? No, not at all, except when that boat starts occupying the place of God in my heart. When I start preferring going out on my boat instead of the things of God. See, I can give you illustration after illustration of this. Is, is, is it wrong for me to watch TV? No, it's not wrong for me to watch TV. Except when TV starts to taking or substitute the place of God in my life. Seems innocent, don't they? Now, when you look at the devil himself in Genesis 3, verse 1, it said the devil was more cunning than any creature that God had created. That word cunning means he was more crafty, he was more subtle. The things that the devil does here on the earth, he gently leads us away from the things of God. If he came in here and threw an atomic bomb at us, man, we'd run. We'd say, that is the devil. But he does stuff so so subtly and gently that we don't even think about it. Now, last week I used the illustration of the ocean. If you've ever been in the ocean, it will gradually move you without you even realizing it. Now, here's the thing that happened to me just this morning. Every morning of my life, I go out and I get the newspaper. Every morning. I pick up the newspaper this morning, and the Lord just began to deal with my heart in this area. And he said this, and just just real, I'm sitting out there in my front yard, and I'm walking in, and this is how the Lord deals with me, just with a thought here. And he said, is there anything wrong with that newspaper? And I said, no. It's pretty innocent. It's pretty harmless. And I said, yeah. He said, except when it starts taking my place in your life. Now, here's what he spoke to me and said, and this will help some of you. Is it okay to read the newspaper? Absolutely. But does reading the newspaper, does it keep me from reading the Word of God? Now, once again, I can look at a newspaper and say it's very innocent. There's nothing wrong with that newspaper, but before long what can happen is I can sit in there and drink coffee and read the newspaper and look up and say, holy smoke, i got to get to work. And guess what? Real subtly and real gently, the newspaper took my time with Father God. Oh, that hurts. 
But once again, I just want to show you over and over how the devil will use the littlest thing in this world to distract you, to squeeze God out of you. Is there wrong with me watching football? No. Except when I go to the Texas Tech games on Saturday and Sunday comes around and says, I'm too tired to get up and go to church. So guess what's now happened? I've substituted football for the kingdom of God. Well, Pastor, the Cowboys are on on 1030. Well, I'm going to tell you right now, the Cowboys aren't going to be rerun in heaven. I'm sorry for you, Cowboy fans. I'm just putting a point. I love football, but listen, guys, you know what I figured in my own life? On my Saturdays, I gotta get up and I gotta get into the Word. I gotta make the Word of God priority in my life, even on my Saturday. And say, okay, Lord, I'm gonna, I'm gonna feed up on the Word of God. I'm gonna hunger and thirst for the things of God. And then guess what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna watch football. But once again, anything in my life that he can use to occupy the place of God in my life, it's going to get us. It's going to get us, okay? Now keep reading here with me. Do not love the world or the things of the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Now, is abstinence the answer? No. That's not what we're talking about here. The answer is, do the things that I'm ta looking at, viewing, watching in my life, do they pull me away from the things of God? More and more and more and more. Verse 16. For all that is in the world is the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes. Now, when I read that, the definition for the word lust it means a strong desire for, to covet, or to crave. Now note here, guys, he said, the lust of my flesh. You know what the lust of my flesh is? It's some form of sensual gratification. Where I say, man, this makes my flesh feel good. I like that. I like that. I like that. Now that can look different for every one of us in here. The lust of my eyes is normally associated with greed or other things that aren't mine. And so when I look at what he's talking about here, the lust of my flesh and the, the, the lust of my eyes, what in my life, my flesh, my eyes, is consumed with? Now ask yourself that right now. What consumes your flesh? Where you look and say, man, that, that's an area of my life. What consumes your eyes? He gives me a little bit inside here, and he begins to tell us here, guys, if I'm not careful with the lust of my flesh and the lust of my... I'll start gravitating toward it. Now, once again, the lust of my flesh and the lust of my eyes, they occur very, very subtle and very gentle. Let me give you some illustrations, just with some natural things. And I'll use myself as an example in one area. And, and I said this last week, I, I started drinking alcohol at the age of 12. Never, never, never in my wildest dreams would I think that first drink that I had would have ultimately led to where it ended up down here. Did I become an alcoholic the first? No. It started here. And it started here. And that appetite started getting bigger, and I kept feeding it. And I kept feeding it, 
And before long, guess what happened? It dominated me. It do- now think about the areas in your life that you look and say, that's me. Now that, that can look totally different. I mean, I know some of you smoke in here. Did you think you were going to get hooked on cigarettes the very puff, first puff you had? No. No. What, what about whether it's TV? I mean, we can just go back and forth on these all day long. And so this is what he's talking about. Verse 16, go back there with me. And he said, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. Now, now note that, guys. He's saying these lusts that may seem very innocent, they're not of the Father, but they are of the world. Now, remember what the world is? It's the evil that's operating in this world under the influence of the devil. So he's going to do everything he can to pull you. Now, I want to give you the the third one we talked about, and I want to really highlight that a little bit more tonight. It said the pride of life. Most of the time when we deal with the pride of life, we're talking about the, uh, the assurance that me and you have of our own resources. Pride says, you know what? Look what I got. The stability of the things of this earth. So just think about this just for a second. Many people would say, even with the way our government is right now, it's shut down. I've heard people say this. I don't care if they ever open again. It's not going to affect me none. I, I got this and I got that. I, I got gold and I got oil. And man, you ought to see my portfolio from Wall Street. So guess what? It's become the pride of life. I got more. I got anything I need. And so when you begin to look at this here, guys, he, he's talking about that anything that stirs up pride in my life or your life, understand this, guys, it's of the world. It is of the world. There's no doubt about it. If you have a spirit that you're haughty, you're arrogant, you're puffed up, you're high-minded, you think you're better than others, you are touched by the, the, the pride of this life. Okay? Get that, get that through your head. And a lot of times it's associated with prominence. It's associated with wealth, achievements, and success. So do we just all need to be failures? No. No, that's not what I'm saying at all. What I am saying, though, is when I look at this, i got to know who's getting the glory for it. Who gets the glory in my life? Who gets that? Verse 17. And the world is passing away in the lust of it, but he who does the will of God abides for the ever. ever. Now, the world, guys, many times will, will classify you as successful even though you're miserable. A lot of times in the world's eyes, they see everything you got. And you know what? We, they're successful. He's got a title. He's got Ph.D. in front of his name. Well, you know, Ph.D. is just an old postal digger anyhow. So it really doesn't matter. But the world, we love titles. We love prominence. We love all those things. And so the world, will, will, it will say, he's, he's successful. But you can just go to Hollywood. You can look at those, those actors. And most of them are miserable. They gain the whole world and lose their soul. Now, look back just a little bit to your left to 1 Peter 5. 1 Peter 5. And I want to talk about the, this area of pride for a minute. I, I think the thing that locates us, guys, 
is when I give a humble confession out of my mouth that gives all the glory to God. When you're successful and you look and you say, it's because of God. When you've had great achievements, in your, it's because of God. Oh man, I thank you. I got promoted and God gets all the glory. That's, 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 that's why we can go ahead and be successful in this world. Because everything we do, it's because of God. 1 Peter 5, verse 5. Likewise, you younger people, submit yourself to you elders. And you young, when you hear that, read that, read that. I'm just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. Yes, all of you be submissive to one another and be clothed with humility. The message says for the word humility, it says just be down to earth. Okay? The rest of verse 5. God resists the proud, the arrogant, the boastful, but He gives grace to the humble. Now, here's, here's the analogy of that right there real quick. Pride leads you to the devil. Humility is the garment of God. It's the aroma of God. I can read the Bible over and over, and the only place in the Bible that I find that God ever resists human beings, He doesn't resist the liar, He doesn't resist the thief, He doesn't resist the adulterer, but He resists the proud, the prideful. Why does God resist the proudful? Because it is the scent of the devil. When you look at the devil's life, the reason he was booted out of heaven was because he was prideful and rebellious. So anytime in our lives that we become very prideful, we are acting like the devil. You look like the devil. No, we better not say those things. But you begin to see this. And so when, when I look at all these things here, man, it begins to, to, to make me look at my life and say, Father God, I, I want to be humble. I want to walk in humility. Keep reading with me. Verse 6. Therefore, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God that He may exalt you in due time. That He may, that man doesn't exalt, that God may exalt me. How did it say God would exalt me? That I humble myself under the mighty hand of God. How do I do that? I give Him the glory for everything in my life. And when I come to dead ends in my life, I say, Father God, I don't know what to you do. I look to you. I need you. And so that's what it is to humble myself under the mighty hand of God. And basically I'm saying, God, you're the creator, I'm the cre creation. You're the potter, I'm the clay. I need you. Guess what that is? That's humility. That's saying, oh, Father God. One of the greatest prayers you can say at times, guys, is where you're looking at, I don't know what to do, but I'm sure asking you. And God eats it up. He loves it. And it says, he, he will exalt you in due time or due season. Keep reading. Cast all your care upon him, for he cares for you. And if you'll note there, he said, cast all your care. Little care, big care, it doesn't matter. He wants it. Verse number 8. Be sober, self-controlled, and be vigilant or watchful, because your adversary, you're an enemy, your opponent, the devil walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Now, you want to see something interesting there? 
He says, your adversary or your opponent. And then he lets us know who it is. It's not your mother-in-law. It's the devil. And it says he walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Now, I'm in there studying this, and I'm looking at this, I'm looking at this, and all of a sudden I get this in my heart. What is God talking about in all this passage? He's talking about I'm either going to be prideful or I'm going to be a person of humility. And so this is what jumped up in my heart. When I walk in pride or I'm arrogant in any way, I have given the devil reason or opportunity to come into my life. But when I walk in humility, woo, he said he gives us grace. And so this began to look at my, make me look at my life and say, so Father God, every, every time I, I walk and am prideful in any way, I'm really opening myself up to him. Keep reading, verse 9. I'm about done. Maybe. Resist him steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world, meaning every one of us, man, we're, we're going to have to learn to resist them, but we all experience the same things. But may the God of all grace, who called us to eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you've suffered a while, he will perfect you, complete you, he will establish you, ground you, strengthen you, and settle you. Now, listen to this, guys. Ever glory here, that doesn't give God glory, is vainglory. It's useless. Where are you going with that? Look at verse 11. To Him be the glory. To Him be the glory. So what happens, guys, when I don't give Him the glory? I, I, I begin to have leakage within me. Pride causes leakage in me, and what happens is because of pride, the fellowship that I have with Jesus it starts leaking out. It starts going out because God will not be around a prideful person. He goes on to say this. And the dominion forever and ever. Amen. The word dominion there means power and authority and rule. I'm either going to live under the dominion of the devil or I'm going to live under the dominion of God. I don't, I don't care who you are. And so what we got to understand this when we read this, I'm either going to live my life with the pride of life or the praise of God. And I encourage you throughout your day, say, oh, Father God, I praise you. I pra when you get a raise, say, oh, Father God, I praise you. It's because I give you glory. I mean, it should just roll out of us. It should just be an expression all the time. But anytime I get puffed up, arrogant in any form, Understand this, you smell. You've got the sin of pride. I call that the leave me alone cologne. God looks and says, uh-uh, uh-uh. Thank you for listening to the podcast. For more information, visit faithchurchlubbock.com.